This is the Light and Life Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Heintzman. Today I'm joined by Chris Police and J.R. Rushik of Church Development Network to talk about a movement of church planting that is taking place across the United States. Beginning with prayer and the call of God upon ordinary people to plant churches, this movement is both simple and undeniably powerful, bearing fruit through their encounter weekends and coaching with church planters. Join me for this most inspiring conversation as these two men seek to spread the light and life of Jesus throughout our nation through church planting. Thanks for joining me today for the Light and Life podcast. I am joined today by Chris Police and J.R. Rushik from Church Development Network, otherwise known as CDN. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Hey, we're doing good. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to have this conversation. Uh, we're just uh, really honored to be here. Yeah, very excited. God's good. Awesome. Thank you. Well, hey, let's jump right in. You're, you are part of CDN Church Development Network. What is, in a nutshell for our listeners, what is CDN? Well, first and foremost, the name kind of says it, right? Church Development Network. And I, I like to land on the network um, word in the sense that we're looking to connect with like-minded people that have a desire to see churches planted in creative spaces and places in your local community and around the world. So you say on your website, you say, we plant churches. Well, that's very simplistic in its, in its wording, just to say, we plant churches. But you also have told me that this is a bold declaration. Why don't you share with me why it is such a bold declaration? So let me, let me say three things about those three words, we plant churches. Number one, the word church is critical. It's crucially important. So while we're all for a lot of forms of ministry, we're not out starting missional communities. We're not out starting um, uh, this ministry or that. We're, we plant churches because uh, the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus said, I will build my church. And there's a spiritual authority, a kingdom authority that comes when, you, when you're starting a church in Jesus' name. And so, um, so while a lot of things are good for the Church Development Network, we're explicitly planting churches. You know, and I'll just say that on that, the idea of keeping that word church, we plant churches, um, really was, a, was an anchor point for us. Uh, because there's a lot of push to start all sorts of other things. And we right. celebrate anything that's for the kingdom of God that started. Sure. But for us, we want to be laser focused on saying we're going to start the thing that Jesus established and he promises to build. Yeah. The second, you know, the second thing is um, it's really bold. We refuse to put a qualifier in front of the word church. So we're not starting house churches or legacy churches or micro churches or macro churches or, um, or simple churches or, um, or, or uh, mega churches. Me- yeah. You know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, it's just churches. Uh, why? Because uh, no two churches are alike. Uh, like snowflakes, no two church planners are the same. Uh, no two communities are the same. And so um, we don't want to put a ceiling that's too high or too small on anybody. And um, it's really freeing, you know, we're not against, um, we're not against large or small churches or anything in between. The body of Christ is diverse. And so, um, so everything we do is about planting the church that Jesus is calling you to plant. And that just so happens to be the exact church your community needs. So like the last thing I'll say about it is it's plural, right? We don't want to help you plant a church. Uh, we want to help you plant churches. Um, why? 
We inject the DNA of multiplication at the very beginning. From the moment a potential church planter is wrestling with a call, we want them to think churches. We want them to think multiplication because it's normative. You know, all living things reproduce. That's how you can tell if something's alive or not. Is it giving birth? Is it reproducing? And that's normative of local churches to bring forth new generations of churches. That's awesome. I love the description about um, not putting a qualifier before the name church, you're just going to call it the church. So what is your, what is your mission? I know that most organizations have mission statements, vision statements. What is yours and why? Yeah. So ours, um, at first hearing it, you might think, wait a second, I thought your mission was we plant churches. So that's a tagline that we love to just rally around, but our mission is a relentless pursuit of obedient disciples. The idea here is that this is the number one thing that we're after is seeing disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. And we feel like if we can get activated on that mission, you know, the rest, the church planting piece is all a fruit of that. And the key word in there, well, relentless pursuit is like speaks to our passion, but the obedient disciple is a big word for us. Mm. Because uh, truthfully, Jesus didn't just tell us to go and make disciples. He said, as you make these disciples, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And uh, that's different than teaching disciples to learn everything Jesus commanded or teaching disciples to know about everything Jesus commanded or to Mm -hmm. study everything Jesus commanded. There's a big difference in teaching disciples to obey everything Jesus commanded. And so uh, it speaks to the idea of like, living out this, uh, the version of Christianity that says, you know what, I'm all in. I'm going to listen to what the Father tells me to do. I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to put this into practice. And so the top tier thing that we're after our mission is this relentless pursuit to see obedient disciples. So I'm thinking back to a conversation that we just had this last week as our executive leadership team of the denomination met with our superintendent's leadership team. And it was all centered around essential ecclesiology, which is a couple of big words there. But basically, it means what is essential to calling a church a church? You know, we we might have a different definition in our mind. So you plant churches. You've talked about you don't try to put qualifiers at the beginning. But it hit me that this drills down into that essential ecclesiology thing. What makes a church a church as you're planting churches in your mind? Yeah, that's a that's a very important question. <laughs> yeah, and right. actually, everyone's question, right? Every, everyone asks that. So, what is a church? And that's huge. That is essential. Ecclesiology is an essential question for us to ask. And um, and so we define that. We define a local church uh, with with the three C's: um, covenant, characteristics, and charismata. So let me start with covenant. Like what what makes a, a church a church? Number one is a covenant. Like the people of a local church understand they're a church, right? Like, and they commit to one another as a local body of a belie- of believers. So you can't like trick people. Oh, hey, this is my Bible study. Actually, it's a church. No, we know what we're doing. It's a church, right? And so there's a covenant. There's a commitment there, a self-understanding as our identity as a church. That's huge. Um, the second C, characteristics. This is very important. There are some things all churches everywhere at all times do. 
They share the same New Testament characteristics. We use a tool called the church circle uh, to teach on this. Um, But essentially, all churches, while there's different cultural expressions of them, and uh, depending on size dynamics, you know, there can look different. All churches everywhere are going to do things like baptize new believers. They're going to do things like share Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. All churches everywhere are going to do like expound upon the word of God. They're going to hear the word and, and, um, and, and, and expound it together. All churches are going to have some expression of worship and adoration of the Lord. This one's huge. All churches everywhere are going to give tithes and offerings to the Lord. Now that could look different, right? That doesn't, churches use a different form, but if you're going to make obedient disciples, you need to disciple people into giving offerings to the Lord. And so um, there's more elements as well, but but there are certain characteristics and you can uh, check out more about exactly what those characteristics are at churchdevelopment.network. And uh, the last C is very important. Uh, the charismata, that is simply the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Actually, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is what distinguishes the true bride of Christ from any other group. I mean, that's Amen. that more than anything distinguishes us. So like um, uh, God is so faithful, a local church, um, the full expression of the gifts are going to begin to be coming out. Now there's different lists, right? So in Ephesians, you have apest, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and so on in Romans, right? Uh, you've got gifts like spiritual gifts of encouragement, spiritual gifts of administration, spiritual gifts of generosity. There's a lot of different gifts, but when it's a local church and why it's beautiful to start churches, like God in heaven above will pour out his spirit upon his church. And, uh, and so local churches need to learn how to empower not just like the pastors, but the whole body to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that grows. And let me, let me just say um, one last thing about those three C's. So someone could say to us, well, wait a minute. What if, I, what if it just looks like a Bible study? What if I haven't baptized anybody yet? Am I still a church, right? And I'll, I'll answer this with, um, if Jesus is calling you to plant a church and that's your intention, yes. Why? because your identity and your DNA and your destiny matters. And so like, we just had a daughter who was born, right? Um, our, our little girl, her name's Ava. She can't, you know, walk yet or talk yet or, or feed herself yet. But you tell me, um, is, my, is my baby daughter a human being, yes or no? Absolutely, why? She's not doing all the things an adult would do because it's in her DNA. Because, because she has a spiritual lineage. She has a mother and a father, and, uh, and, and she's going to grow into it. She's going to grow into that. And so um, new churches who, who might be starting just with, let's say, a Bible study, we still celebrate them as a church because they're on the pathway to fulfilling all those characteristics, that robust, essential ecclesiology. You're going to live into that. Now, you can start as a baby. We're going to help you walk and crawl and run, but that's your trajectory, and that's what makes you a church. You know, let's let's back up to something you said a little bit ago, Chris. You talked about you plant with multiplication in mind. And so you have this life cycle and milestones that are part of the multiplication life cycle. Let's talk about that for a second. What are those three milestones? Well, uh, the very first milestone, this is really kind of important, kind of just piggybacking on what I was just saying. Uh, it's conception, right? Um, so milestone one, a church is conceived. Uh, when the Lord calls you to plant a church and you say, yes, Lord, that's the most dangerous and powerful prayer. You can learn to pray, by the way. Yes, Lord. Milestone two uh, is when is uh, conceived in heaven and in the heart of a church planner. 
is born on earth. That's when it's gathered. Um, and then milestone three uh, is when that church multiplies. So, so let me break down uh, that down a little bit more because it's really exciting. And actually, while the gathering, while the gathered church, right, the church that you can attend uh, really matters, the conception of a church, right, the identity and calling of being a church planter, and likewise, the multiplication of that same church uh, is really what makes this a movement. And what we're seeing right now here in the United States, it's incredible what God is doing. So, um, so I love I love the idea of conception. You know, this is this is biblical stuff. When does when does um, when does life begin? The scriptures celebrate a life starting at conception. You know, uh, Sarah conceived, Mary conceived, Elizabeth who was barren conceived, and so we celebrate a church. Uh, we say a church starts not not after you've actually launched it or gathered it. It starts when the Lord calls you to planet and you say yes. That's the beginning of that thing. Now it's invisible. It's in your heart. It's in heaven. You can't attend it yet, but it's filled with DNA, including the DNA of multiplication. And you're on that road. And so we celebrate that and build a culture of church multiplication through calling. So this is one of the things that really sets us apart uh, from maybe other groups that are, you know, working towards planting churches is uh, this milestone one is a defining moment. It's significant. It seriously is just a milestone for us where we recognize that God has done a work. And in fact, the goal of an encounter weekend, while there's really good content, is that we want to bring people to a place where they're hearing the voice of God and responding to the invitation of the Holy Spirit to, to step into that role or to, to um, acknowledge their identity as a church planter. Yeah. And so we go to great lengths to celebrate when someone is able to raise their hand and say, God's called me to plant a church. Mm. Uh, and we see it as the first milestone. Uh, and we call our weekends encounter weekends for a reason, because the goal is truly to encounter God. Amen. It's a spirit fueled movement Amen. that we're about. And um, in, in fact, we go to, we're careful to not prescribe forms for the structure of the church. What we want to do is create a, an environment for for potential church planners to hear from God and for them to respond to that call. Um, I know for me, I'm a church planner. I remember when I was wrestling with the call to go and plant a church, I responded to that call and God did something in my heart at the moment I said, yes, Lord, yeah. to that. before I packed up my belongings, before I drove across the country, before I even started a small group in my home, I was a church planter. Acknowledging that moment marked me. We just really believe that it's, it's essential for church planners to know that the one who calls us is faithful and he will do it. Mm. It, what's, it sets us down that road yeah. uh, towards this movement. And when I think of the history of the Free Methodist Church too, the early days when there was, you know, revival meetings, it, it was this, the move of God would show up, the power of God would show up. And even in some of the, the historical records, it was just like, and a society was formed the next day, you know, because there was someone there that said, God's called me and a spiritual reality took hold. Amen. And then a new place of ministry was birthed Amen. in that. So anyway, milestone one's important to us. Yeah. How does this take place? Does it take place in the encounter weekends? Well, so for an encounter weekend, just, just to hold it, we need someone that's going to host it and have a vision for their region. 
So it really begins in the heart of the host. Sometimes it's a superintendent. Sometimes it's a local church pastor. But they, they're saying, you know what? I believe that God wants to start a movement of church planting uh, in this region. Okay. And they established the first encounter weekend. Okay. And they're really the one responsible to invite people. So we go through a process. We, we have a system we, we call jumpstart which is really just vision casting. And so right. we can give you some different ways to jumpstart the vision, but ultimately you're praying, you're asking God, God, who do you want in this room? In and really we want people on an encounter weekend that are kind of already kind of rolling down the road towards church planting. They're wrestling with this stuff already. It's not a, Hey, everyone and anyone just come on, show up. It's a, it's going to be like a weekend retreat. no, the people that come to encounter weekend, God's doing something already. Okay. They may not be able to articulate it, but God's right. doing something. The weekend is broken into four blocks with eight sessions. And each session brings you to these defining moments. Um, and in particular, the first block lands after talking about God's call yeah. and vision, where you begin to just dream about what God could do in a region if there was a, a multiplication of churches taking place. And so in each of these blocks, in each of the sessions, in each of the defining moments, you see the Lord kind of nudging people along to grabbing hold of this vision, of plant churches in creative spaces and places. Yeah, and I, I, would just, I would just say too, like the Encounter Weekend, through vision casting, you know, you want to you wanna fill it with potential church planters. Maybe they haven't said, yes, Lord. Maybe they're not going to be like the pastor. Maybe they're just going to open their living room or something like that or participate. Mm-hmm. But you want to leave encounter as a called church planter. That is the win. When the Holy Spirit seals his identity upon you. Yeah. So is there follow-up after the weekend? And what does that look like? There's both local and kind of a national version of that. And so each month we have a skills call for all those that are called and it's a Zoom call from people from all over. Um, but then on the local level, the trainer, the, the person that was hosting, and then eventually we were developing into a trainer, um, they would then mentor that church planter on this journey. And so we, we say a, a trainer, a local trainer has two roles. They both mentor and coach the church planter. So in mentoring, we say they're pouring in, they're caring about who they're becoming. They're teaching them the spiritual disciplines of particularly um, time in prayer, listening to the voice of God, all the spiritual formation that needs to take place. And then there's the coaching aspect, which is pulling something out of them saying, okay, here's some objectives that I want you to reach. And um, we, we, we have them look towards or work towards these seven primary objectives um, immediately out of an encounter weekend. And so the church can be born within the first 90 days. And the story behind these objectives that we're, we push towards or we work towards comes out of our colleague who just recently passed away, yeah. uh, Theo Borakei. Now, Theo led a church planting movement throughout Africa, planted 75,000 churches in 32, 33 countries. Yeah. Um, and we sat down with him many times and just said, hey, tell us, tell us what really happened. Uh, and it's surprising, like the stuff you read in the book wasn't always the things <laughs> that he told us about. Right. Um, but these seven objectives uh, were born out of that. And so we've really taken a lot of what works in a multiplication movement that was highly fruitful and successful. Mm-hmm. And we've contextualized it uh, to something that works in the West. 
I've read and we've talked about the idea that your church planner begins by praying and responding to seven prayers. Um, what are the seven prayers that you're asking church planters to pray? Oh, you're putting us on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, very, the very first prayer. Um, it's just a sampling of them, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. You don't need to know all seven, but you know, I'm, I'm in particularly uh, interested in this because I, I am of the firm belief that nothing happens without prayer. And, you know, to calling happens through prayer. Um, I'm sure planting a church happens through prayer. So I love that you have prayer built in. So just what are some of the things that the church planter begins to pray? So the first prayer is, Lord, teach me to pray. Uh, (laughs) You know, (laughs) so um, and and the idea there, you know, that's the the question that the disciples asked Jesus. Yeah. they saw Jesus doing all these miracles. They didn't ask him, Lord, teach me to feed the, the poor, teach me to heal, heal the sick, teach me to help the blind see. They said, Lord, teach me to pray. Why? Because prayer is the master key. Sure. Pray like Jesus prayed. Um, it's the master key for, for a move of the kingdom of God. And so the first, and so this, this speaks to that idea of the local trainer as a mentor is pray that prayer. And how are you learning to pray more like Jesus? How are you learning mm-hmm. to pray as the Lord would, would uh, lead you and uh, to soften your spot to, or your heart to hear the voice of God? And, and then they, they, the rest of the prayers get a little more um, specific, a little more pointed in that, where it's, Lord, where will I plant churches? Um, and the, the idea of this next one is like, what's the burden? Where, where, who, what people are you putting on my heart? Where are you leading me? And um, there's a lot of ways that the Lord will answer that. And then where do I begin? And then, then the next one is who's my prayer shield. And so the, that prayer gets down into like actually building a team of people around you yeah. that will be your prayer team, your prayer shield, we call it. Um, it's essential. It's crucial. And honestly, if you can't rally uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 people to pray for the work God's called you to do, you're going to have difficulty you know, getting it started, you know, and, sure. and certainly sustaining it. Um, and then, then the next prayer has to do with discipleship and the next prayer has to gets down into when, where will I actually gather the church? And, and then Lord, who are you calling for me to pour into, to send out in the multiplication model? And so kind of walk through this. And, and really, I think each of these prayers opens the door for a dozen other prayers. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. just foundational to what um, the church planter would need. I love that the first prayer is, Lord, teach me to pray, because we go in so many times um, with our own thoughts as to what we think, you know, we're trying to tell God what he should do when we haven't stopped to ask God what he wants us to do. And so that's that's awesome. I love that. When you say all churches start simple, give it, give us maybe some examples of what that looks like. One, we're about seeing new works begin. And, um, th- and th- the idea here is that we don't want to make a complicated, long journey to get to the point where you're starting something. Uh, in fact, I- I'd almost make the case that kind of the-, the heavy assessment, lots of planning, kind of launch large model, like a-, a recent event in-, in some ways, maybe in the last 50 years, um, there's a large church down the street from us that um, has a great ministry that's flourishing. And guess how they started? Pretty simple with a group of people in a living room. In fact, probably most big legacy churches started 
in a simple way. And in this way, when we send someone out to start simple, we're not we're, we're moving the goalpost away from size. Right. We're going to allow God to focus on the size, grow to whatever size that he desires that church to be. Um, but we're focusing on getting it started and allowing a simple expression of the church to begin. And so when we say we start simple, one, um, we have a $0 church right. planning uh, fund. And, and that is, so, so we tell church planners the resources are in the harvest. And this is a really important phrase for us, because if you, if you, God's called you to plant a church and you go and lead some people to Christ and begin to disciple them, and then you gather them maybe in your living room or in your backyard or uh, in some space, as you disciple people, as you lead people to Christ, see baptisms happen and disciple them, that the church body will begin to form. And we just had a church in Virginia that was, was very fruitful um, grew out of their living room, and now they're renting from a YMCA, and yeah. um, they're on a path to to break the 200 barrier. So it's wow. Wow. that's a wonderful thing. And others might stay in a in a smaller space for some time, but whatever God wants for that church is present in the people that you reach. Right. And so in that way, all the churches can start the same way in a simple way, and we allow the Lord to take care of it. One of your values that you've stated is an unpredictable pathway with predictable steps. So let's unpack that. What is the unpredictable pathway and what are the predictable steps? So this, this phrase actually came um, from a guy named Steve Smith, who, uh, who passed away a few years ago. His, the last book he wrote was a book called Spirit Walk. It's worth reading. It's how to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He, Steve Smith was part of huge disciple making and church planting making moves church planning movements around the world, um, T for T, training for trainers. Um, so he's the guy that influenced Ginkai. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so like on his deathbed, the thing he says, he, he says this phrase I'll never forget. He said, you know, a generation ago when I went to the mission field, it was filled with spiritual giants, but they were methodological pygmies. He said, but you know what? Today, today I go to the mission field Man, it's filled with methodological giants, but they're spiritual pygmies. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And this is Mr. Method, by the way, but he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you have to be one or the other, be a spiritual giant. It is, it is not about the methods. The methods serve the spirit mm-hmm. and not the other way around. And so this idea of an unpredictable pathway with predictable steps, the unpredictable pathway is planting churches. Something we learned from Theo, who started 75,000 churches over 20 years, he would frustrate me and JR all the time because he would say, the details are in the journey. I'm always like, tell me how, tell me how, tell me how. <laughs> I want a checklist. Give me 102 steps that I can do to be a successful church planner. Teach me 102 things to do Saddleback or Willow Creek or whatever. It doesn't work that way. You can't get around keeping in step with the spirit. And mm-hmm. so instead of doing that, instead of showing church planters and training them how to do 102 things with project management, and there's a place for project management, and we, we help in that, but that is, that's not the main thing. The main thing is how do you hear from the Lord as it pertains to you as a church planter and obey him? That's the main thing. So the predictable steps are how to do that. They come right out of Acts chapter 2, actually Acts 1, 2 in the whole book, and and cycle throughout scripture. But in the context of church multiplication, we mentor church planters how to pray, 
how to speak out and gather the church, right? How, how to gather believers, how to make disciples of those believers, and how to multiply churches. That's predictable. It'll look a thousand different ways, but those predictable pathways will be it. So we mentor church planners in that. So you told us one little story here. You wet our appetites a little bit with one that started small, uh, ended up in the living room, and now they're running from a why. What other stories might you have to share with us about, like, how's this going? How are things how are things going with the churches that have been planted through CDN? Yeah, let me uh, let me tell you a story, and, I, and Chris will round it out with another story. Um, well, one of our church planters, his name's Aaron, his kids were into skateboarding. And uh, they, they had a bunch of kids hanging out in their driveway skateboarding. So uh, as a good dad, he built some skateboard ramps, and more and more kids were showing up. And uh, Aaron was with the CDN crew and was saying, I don't know what to do with all these parents. Maybe I should start a Bible study. And uh, Theo said, no, you need to plant a church. Uh, And so so he planted a church in his driveway. It moved to his living room. It moved to his garage. And soon it outgrew his garage. Someone down the street in town said, hey, we we have an outreach ministry, but we don't use the building on the weekends. Do you want a space for your church? So they were given a free building. The uh, local town loved what they were doing with the kids because it was keeping kids occupied and off the streets. And they said, listen, we have a section of our, of our city park. Would you build a skate park there? Take your wow. skate park out of your driveway. So they built a skate park in the city park and, um, and God has continued to bless him. Now, Aaron, now he's pastoring this church. God's showing up. People are coming to faith in Christ, but he has the DNA of multiplication in him. So he came to an encounter weekend in Harrisburg that we held, uh, and he brought some local pastors with him. And God began to stir in his heart to not just be a church planter, but to be a trainer. Yeah. So then as part of our trainer training process, he came to another encounter weekend. He co-led it with us. And just a couple of weeks ago, uh, he held his own encounter weekend. And as a result of that, five different people responded to God's call to, to plant churches. Yeah. Three of those right now are actively being mentored by Aaron and will launch their churches, if not in this summer, certainly in the, you know by the fall. And here you can see the cycle of multiplication happening. We're seeing stories like this again and again and again. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So just another cool. There's a lot of stories. Um, one one cool one. Um, so this this guy, Pastor uh, Fernando, and uh, he's in Baltimore, and um, he actually went a little bit up to New Jersey to an encounter weekend. Great kingdom guy, great pastor, and um, was struck by two things at the encounter. One was this concept of rapid deployment, which is one of our core values, and it's this idea that um, to plant a church, you don't have to be an ordained clergy. You know, there's a place for that and you can't shortcut that. That needs to be careful. And there's a great process. But what you can do is mentor somebody under your wing and actually rapidly let them obey Jesus to gather people into the kingdom. And so uh, when he heard that, he said, oh, my goodness, I could help someone else start a church in a new location. And he was he was struck also by this third milestone. So the first milestone, right, of church multiplication that thing starts at conception. When when Jesus calls and you say, yes, milestone two, that church is born, right? So now it's labor, it's work, right? What's conceived has to be born on earth. When? 
we say when the first two or three gather in the name of Jesus as a church, remember those three C's, that essential ecclesiology, right? Uh, when they're gathering, just two or three, not a hundred people, not a not owning your own building, right? Um, it's two or three. And by the way, I, let me just, that's that's straight from scripture. Jesus uses the word ecclesia only twice in the gospels. In Matthew, he uses it in six, Matthew 16, you know, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. That's an authority statement. And then the only other time Jesus says ecclesia is Matthew 18. And, uh, and that, that whole pericope, that whole passage is about authority. It's about binding and loosing, forgiveness of sins. If a brother sins against you, come one-on-one, then bring someone, then bring it before the ecclesia. You know, the last thing Jesus says in that paragraph about the authority of the church, or two or three are gathered how? In my name. That's the presence, power, authority of Jesus. There I am with you. So Fernand, Pastor Fernando's like, oh my goodness. The th- and so this leads me to the third milestone, right? When's a church mature? We know when it's conceived. We know when it's born, right? So when's it mature? That church is not mature when you can pay a pastor full time. It's not mature when you own your own building. It's not even mature when there's no more dysfunction. In fact, I have yet to see a church that has zero dysfunction in it. That's not what makes it mature. What makes a church mature? Well, look at two rabbits, right? Two two bunny rabbits. Any biologist will tell you those infant bunnies reach maturity when? Biological maturity at what point? When they're able to reproduce. What makes a church the third and greatest milestone is when that local church is, is no longer only concerned about growing itself, but is now able to send out and grow the kingdom of God outside itself. Pastor Fernando in New Jersey at Encounter Weekend heard the heart of God saying, I'm glad you're winning disciples in your church, but you need to start a church in this other community of context with. He called a woman named Ivy, who, who he never before would have thought she could do something. And Vision cast a church planner, and under his mentorship, Ivy started a church in her shed. And it's still meeting and growing and thriving. Ivy came to an encounter weekend we just had in Washington, D.C., totally affirmed in her calling and left encounter weekend with the names of three other potential church planners. She's going to vision cast to and help start churches. This is what's happening today in USA. It's amazing. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. So my favorite thing about what we're doing with church development network is this, I'm telling you, this is a ministry that generates church planters, right? You go around, you say, who can plant churches? You're going to be like, I don't know anyone. No problem. God is faithful. He will call. This is, this is sending people who never thought they could. It's Acts 4.13, unschooled, everyday, ordinary people. You know, it's not the one who's going to hit a home run on the assessment. It's the 99 other people who might do something for Jesus. There's a place for everyone. But this unleashes the 99 to go reach people the way Jesus is calling them to. I'll get off my pedestal. Then. That's the <laughs> so, You almost started preaching there. Yeah, yeah almost. <laughs> So, so on the Acts 4.13, do we have time for one more story? Absolutely. Yeah. So on, on the Acts 4.13, uh, we were up in Boston area and uh, there was a woman that came. She's a school bus driver. Yeah. Her name's Rose. And she only came to the encounter weekend because her pastor invited her. Yep. She, and she told us, she said, I don't know why I'm here. I, you know, this really isn't for me. She said, she actually did would say like, I'm just a school bus driver. Right. Like a yellow school bus. At the end of the encounter weekend, we have a time of commissioning and we pray and uh, just believe for uh, what God's doing in, in their lives. Uh, and Rose was up at the front at the altar space and just weeping before the Lord. And uh, she felt the Lord saying, 
you are a church planner. Amen. Wow. And um, she left there and she began to reach out to 15 of her unsaved friends who had never gone to her church and who never would go to her church. And um, she told them, hey, I'm starting something new. Would you like to come? And that first night, about, about nine or 10 of them showed up. Within three weeks, three of them gave their lives to Christ. Oh, and a couple of weeks later, she rose, held her first baptism, baptizing people. And this is someone who was a self-declared, like, I'm not qualified. Right. And uh, what we're seeing is, is that unschooled, ordinary people certainly are qualified when they've been with Jesus. Amen. And that's uh, a hallmark of what, what we do is we just bring people to an encounter with Jesus and, um, and we're careful, too, in this because we really do want to honor the integrity of the church yeah. and the process of ordination. It's, a, it's an important journey. And so we're commissioning and sending people to plant churches. They're church planters. We're going to allow the structure of the church and the organization of the church to, to raise up and appoint elders in those places, uh, pastors, leaders. That, that's a different track. That's an important track. But we, what we want to do is help people hear from God. Ready? God, God's called you, and we want you to go immediately. And then we'll work on that process of spiritual formation, of uh, credentialing, of certification, whatever it needs to take place. But we just want to push for active obedience, immediate, quick obedience to what Jesus calls you to do. Yeah. And we're seeing fruitfulness in it. And one of the, one of the cool kind of... Um, behind the story things about Rose's story, Rose, you know, the every, the Acts 413 pastor, you know, or church planner, um, guess where she gathered those never been to a church friends in the lobby of her existing church, <laughs> right? So you got Pastor Risa, guess where she baptized those three, right? It was for them, right? And so, you know, Pastor Rice is there and Rose is there and they're baptizing them. It's under the support of our churches. There are, there are, work, there are kingdom workers even now in all of our local churches. And with this no more orphans mentality, we can multiply, you know? And, um, and I'm telling you, God's using the roses of the world to do it. It's Amen. insane. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow, guys, I can't thank you enough for taking time today to talk with me and share these wonderful stories and the principles of CDN. I'd love to be able to uh, point our viewers to the uh, show description. And so give us a, an idea of how they could reach out to you. Let's say there's someone listening today who wants to get in touch with you guys about CDN, about the potential for an encounter weekend. Do you have a website, email address, those kind of things? Yeah. So the best place would be to just jump on the website, churchdevelopment.network. And so that sometimes a little confusing. It's churchdevelopment.network, um, not .com or .org, but .network. And uh, also on Facebook, Instagram, and, and social places, Church Development Network is where, what you'd search for as well. Chris and I can be reached. My, my email address is jr.rushik at churchdevelopment.network. And uh, Chris is chris.police at churchdevelopment.network. And would love to talk to anybody that's interested in seeing a movement of Hallelujah. churches planned uh, in their region. Great. Well, friends, be sure to look into the show description for all of the links that they just talked about. You don't have to worry about that. We'll have the links right there for you. So again, guys, just I can't thank you enough. I'm I'm stirred in my own soul having listened to these messages today and these, these wonderful stories of what God is doing um, about how you're just empowering people to go and be obedient to what the Lord has called them to do. Great. Thank you so much. It was a real privilege to be here. Be sure to visit the show description for links to the website and social media of Church Development Network. 
Both Chris and JR have also provided their personal email addresses for you to contact them. Is God calling you to host an encounter weekend? Is he possibly asking you to plant a church? As we've heard today, radical obedience to the call of God and to following Jesus is the first and most important step. For Light and Life Communications, I'm Brett Heinzman, thanking you for joining us for this episode of the Light and Life Podcast.